Starting, guys. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Some it's even earlier than uh, to others, but we want to welcome everybody and uh, get comfortable, get your cup of tea or your cup of coffee or I don't know, other side of the world, glass of wine. There's no judgment here. So you just make yourselves comfortable and uh, open up those chats. We'd love to see who is with us. We'd love to um, just welcome you. It takes a lot of courage to come to something like this. And we just wanna commend you for being here, commend you for sending me your questions the past few weeks, uh, for bringing your questions with you today. We're going to take the tail end and open up the chat and, uh, and, and just let that chat be open so you can, any questions that we don't get to. Uh, we have a ton of questions that have come in and ladies, they are beautiful. They are absolutely beautiful questions. And I wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart for sending these questions. We may not get to all of them today and that's okay. We're going to continue this and we're going to keep opening this up until we can get to your questions. If your question is urgent in nature and you really are looking for a response right away, feel free to email me and let me know that. If you can't wait for the next sanctuary and you're, and you're looking for an answer, I'm more than happy to bring the questions to the men, uh, discuss it with them and get back to you. So your recovery does matter and we wanna be a safe place for you. So before I go any further, I just wanna introduce these amazing men that are joining us. This is my husband, Lamar, and you might recognize him. Yes, uh, we've been in recovery for what, six years sure. now, six years. And we uh, went through quite the storm. If you haven't heard our story, we do have that posted on our Facebook page and uh, feel free uh, to watch that and let us know if you have any questions. And then we have Scott with us. We call him Chaps. He's the Chaps in the house. And not is it not only is he a chaplain, but he is a mental health guru. He's intelligently smart. He's yeah, humble too. Look at that, humble too. And then we have Troy. He's a new face, and we are so super excited to have Troy with us. If you went back and watched any of the mission briefs, his lovely girlfriend Tracy was in the mission brief. Uh, not that long ago feel free to look at that and she's going to be joining us next month in the sanctuary and she's an incredible woman and now here's my turn i'm going to make the men blush a little because they didn't know i was going to be doing this so um, their faces are going to turn red um, you're probably wondering why did i invite these three guys it's not because the credentials it's not because of how many recovery classes they've led how long they've been sober-minded how many men they've walked beside how many accountability partners they have how much Warpath, Conquer Series, all these things, they all have that. And it's beautiful, but that's not the credential I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is looking at the woman that's standing beside them. I look at Christy, who walks next to Scott. I look at Tracy, who walks next to Troy. And they are the women, the picture of what recovery looks like for a man. They are confident, they are bold for Christ, they trust their husbands again, they feel safe. And most importantly, they are on fire to do mission beside their partner to help other people. And they are two of the most beautiful women I've ever had the honor of meeting. And that is the reason why I've invited them here because I believe you should be getting wisdom from men who have taken recovery seriously, not just their own, but they care about the woman that God has blessed them with. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about what does that look like? What did you three men do in recovery 
to help your your partners, your significant other get to that place where I mean they're just standing in such beauty. Ladies, it's interesting. I always like to joke with the guys that I walk with that it's really not a great recovery meeting till at least one guy starts crying a little bit. So I looked over <laughs> and I mean I'm starting to tear up a little and I see, you know, Scott and Troy are kind of, oh my goodness, I didn't know it was gonna be that kind of party today. So let, let me encourage you, um, please just be brutally honest with the questions. Right? You, this may be a, a place where you're thinking, I, I don't want to ask that electric fence question. Um, well, this is the place. Okay? You may not be able to ask your husband or your boyfriend or whomever yet. Okay? But we're dedicated as well on the other end of this to walking alongside those guys to get them to a place where you are comfortable asking those questions. Because for some of these things, if you don't get it, get it out, it's never going to be fully, I guess, healed up. You'll never get the true, um, the true numbing, good, godly scab that, that doesn't have any chance of ever breaking open again. You're just not going to get that unless some of these questions get answered. And it won't be just by our hand either. Eventually, you'll be able to ask the same question of the man that you love. So these are amazing men. They have thick skins. They're and it's thick skinned and they're willing to answer the tough questions for you. And if they don't have an answer, we'll research it. We'll go look for other men. We will find those answers and get back to you. But this is a safe place to ask those questions. And so before we get further though, Scott Chaps, I would I'd just love it if you just just covered us up in a word of prayer and just for all these beautiful courageous ladies that are on here and yes please please sign in sally i see you from uh, see you joining us i just love that you're here tiffany it's always a pleasure having you here sweetie um i would love to hear see who's there in the chat that just means the world to me but scott if you can just um just cover us all and in some beautiful prayer that would be amazing yeah i wanted to uh just read through psalm 116 if that's okay um Lord, incline your ear to us, you know, and help us to call on you to, to live a um, to live long. Um, I, I'm just going to pray then. I guess I wanted to read it, but but Lord, the, the ropes of death have entangled us. The anguish of, of hell has overcome us. Lord, we're confronted with trouble and sorrow uh, all the day long. But Lord, when we call on your name, you, you hear our voice and you deliver our soul. So Lord, that's what I'd pray right now is that you'd wrap your arms around these women that, you could, that they could feel your presence, uh, that you're the stronghold, you're the shelter, you're their shield. Lord, from the fiery darts and the lies of the enemy, Lord, uh, protect them. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, chaps, we appreciate it. So let's, let's jump in. I mean, that's what you're here for. You're here for the questions. And the first question we're going to be addressing today, I think it's perfect for the summertime. Uh, we people want to be going to the beach. They want to be going to the pool. Kids might have swim uh, a team. We had swimmers. Uh, but the question is, our kids um, are on a swim team, and my husband wants to go and support them like a good father would want to. However, I'm certain he is lusting after all the women out by the pool. It's not fun for me when he goes out there because I feel like I'm watching him and I can't enjoy being in there. So how do I know he isn't undressing every single woman? At the pool with his eyes gentlemen well, you, you don't know i mean i guess probably the thing you could do is maybe pluck their eyes out i have a teddy bear with a missing eye you know but it, you'd have to get both otherwise he's still going to be lusting with one of those but sorry the truth is is that you, you don't know what's going on in his head you can ask him unless unless you're a mind reader and i don't 
I don't know if anyone has that skill really. So, um, you know, there's the, the answer is you don't know and you can talk to them and ask them, you know, is it your trigger or is it his trigger that that's going off? Um, I don't know. That's, can, can we start it out there? Is that, is that a beginning? That's, that's beautiful. Lamar, do you have any yeah. insight? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is part of that whole man theory behind good recovery. Um, previously, a lot of guys that have been tied up with sexual sin, sexual stronghold, um, they had a piece of their life that was walled off and they were able to be a different dad and husband, uh, a, a co-home you know, caretaker. Um, they were able to do all these things except surrender that piece of their lives. Um, and, it, and it really, really prevented them from understanding their full life. And so when you get a man in true recovery, there's one integrated man that's fully under the umbrella of what Christ is doing in his life. Um, he is going to gift you things like when they go to the pool, I'm not going to stand by the pool where I can see all the people at all the time. I mean, if you've never been to a swim meet, you're there for about five minutes of activity, but you pack all that in about four hours of standing by the pool. Um, it would be very easy for a guy to go up there and say like, oh, I'm just interested in all the competition for the other kids, you know, at trying to blow sunshine up somebody's tail just by saying, I need to be watching all this. Hey, go watch your kids, you know, do the right thing, be there for your kids, and then come back to the tent or come back to a place where you can kind of keep your eyes away from the big part of the crowd. Um, I used to use the excuse, hey, I'm trying to keep us all safe. That's why I'm looking out. That's why I'm always facing the door to restaurant or whatever. That was, that and Lamar, I loved what you said one time. You you even shared with uh, Christine about the, the glasses. You would watch women in the reflection of her sunglasses. Yeah. And so it's getting the truth out. It's talking about it. It's beginning that conversation. What triggers are mine and what triggers are my spouse's? She's got triggers too, you know? And, and so how do you communicate that and, and talk about it? Amen. I and, love it. And, and it's generating behaviors that lend themselves to collective safety. And, and they're, hey, listen, it, for ladies, some of you, you, sometimes you'll talk about these triggers. And as you say them, you'll recognize that they may sound unreasonable. Okay, but please say them. <laughs> please get to a point where you're able to get them out onto the table. Maybe you just saying it out loud can have you recognize that it's unreasonable. Maybe it, it takes a, a walking through it to say, okay, so what are some of the controls we can put in place to help with some of these triggers, to help with some of these reminders? Yeah, and, and let me just elaborate. I, I, I understand what you're saying when you say um, triggers that are unreasonable. It's not reasonable for us to put our significant others in a bubble at home where they never get to go to the grocery store, never get to go to our children's events, never get to go to church anymore because we're worried about them lusting after everyone. That's not reasonable. Life has to happen. Exactly. Life out isn't reasonable either. So. No, no, absolutely. That's not reasonable. But what is reasonable is when Lamar comes back to the tent and he turns his chair away from all of the activity and faces just me. Mm -hmm. And I don't have my sunglasses on. I wear a visor now and we engage. And he makes me the most important thing out by the pool. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. That's a picture of what recovery looks like out by a pool. It is absolutely doable. But Love. yes, it's it is. It is, but it's talking through it. It's talking through what those triggers are and and coming up with something reasonable like you said i love that yeah well let's move on to the next question 
I have, my husband had an affair with someone who gave him attention at work. Those work affairs, Scott, I'm sure you deal with those a lot. That seems to be growing, the work affairs. He quit his job, but there are other women there at his new job. How do I know he will not run off with the first woman who gives him attention again? So Troy, let's hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? Sure. Um, so I think um, on this one, first of all, I mean, frankly, it's a good thing that he's was willing to uh, quit his job. I mean, that's that's pretty big. I mean, most guys probably wouldn't quit their job, to be to be honest. Uh, but again, kind of going back to Lamar's point about the whole man theory, um, I, I think that you have to look at you have to look at what he's doing. You know, you have to really look at his actions. Um, is he still doing recovery work? Is he still reaching out to the guys uh, that he's in recovery groups with? Um, is he communicating with you? You know, is he talking to you about his struggles? Uh, or is he more, you know, acting like he's got it? Um, you know, is he being, is he being defensive? Um, I think that's a big, that's a big sign, frankly, if he's being defensive and not being transparent with you. Um, is he choosing to do things that uh, connect with you? Um, you know, are there are there signs that he is on the on the path to um, to relapse? I think those are the those are some of the things that come to mind. Um, just sort of signals um, that, that that there might be something uh, boiling up. Yeah, I think if recovery is relate or uh, rooted in relationships, you know, his connection with you, like you're saying, Troy is. Is so important in connection with God too. If you're seeing quiet times in the morning, those are good things. But I mean, yeah, there's women all over. I mean, I don't know, unless you work at a men's prison. No, maybe there's women in there too. So I mean, there's they're gonna be women all over. I mean, his attention needs to be, you know, locked to you. Um, I was going through some training, it talks about rocks and sand. You know, the rocks are the important things and the sands are the the distractions of life. You know, the, if, if I'm focusing on bitterness and resentment or criticism and, and, and wounds and unforgiveness and regret, you know, and those things are just going on and on, you know, I don't know, the scripture in Philippians talks about, you know, um, you know, my prayer, you know, you know, with thanksgiving, you know, God will bring the peace that passes all understanding. And then it goes on, it says, whatever is lovely, whatever is, you know, uh, perfect. So you focus on those things. Those are the rocks. You know, so I focus on my recovery um, if, you know, in the, in, as a guy, and if I'm doing my things, I mean, that, that's what I have to do. And it sounds bad, but um, gals have to work on their recovery. And I just learned, um, I don't know, a, a new thing like PTSD, but there's post-traumatic uh, and bitterness disorder too. It's, it's where that bitterness gets down, that unforgiveness gets down in our souls. And that's all that we think about. It's like being in, in darkness, the, our whole whole life, and I, I imagine like from the ashes is gonna, you know, be pulling some of that out. Do I want to stay in prison? Oh gosh! So I was thinking about my wife too, and and um, she felt like she was in prison, and then she didn't even know the door was open, you know. So she she saw herself there. Her counselor that she was meeting with said that you know you're you're not away from God. God's in the cell with you, and he said I'd I'd imagine that door wasn't even locked. You have a choice of coming out of that darkness. Um, and spending more time with God. So what are, what are we going to focus on? What am I going to focus on? I want to focus on the good things. 
on whatever is pure. I want to focus on God's word, his relationship. One more thing, sorry. And Christy used to get up in the morning. This is while I was still in addiction. And she'd lay prostate at the bottom, uh, you know, at the floor of the bed. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, she's praying for me. And if I don't do something, you know, soon, I mean, God's going to get me. A lot of guys are more afraid of their wife than God, you know, so I know that sounds strange, but um, so when she was calling on God, I thought, oh, I'm in trouble now, you know, so I need to do something. Mm. I love that. And, and Scott, can you just circle back now to that analogy with the rocks and the yes. sand? Yeah. So, so if I put in the sand first, there's no room for the priorities and I'm focusing on the sand that's in there. Mm. Um, but if I put the rocks in first, the sand goes in between the rocks, you know, and it's, it's stable. Well, even that little song, maybe when you were a kid, you know, uh, you want to build yourself on, uh, build the house on the rock, you know, so when the rains come down and the floods come up, you know, the house stands firm. If you build it on the sand, the rains came down and the floods came up and the house went splat, you know, um, sorry. That, no, that was, no, I love it. I love the analogy. And I just wanted to hit, um, uh, Kim in the chat, she said something that I, I absolutely love. And this can go after the question regarding men at the pool, lusting after women, and at work, uh, anywhere. When men see women, is it ever possible to hope that a man can go to a place like any place, like work or the pool, and just recognize that they are God's women, are God's created children, and they're not a sex object. They're not something to lust after. So thank you, Kim. Great question. This is a this is a fantastic question. And really, to be honest, ladies, most of the men in recovery, especially the early stages of recovery, they worry about this. And I, I want to use James 114 as kind of our baseline here as we go through this conversation. This is the the old, I call it the waterfall. You know, our temptations can lead us into desire. And desire gone gone sideways takes us to sin and death. So temptation, desire, sin, and death. Clearly, we don't want to enter that waterfall at sin and death. It's, it's going to be too late at that point. Temptation, there's going to be temptation everywhere because we have such a corroded sense of sexuality based off of the world that we live in at this point. Um, it's everywhere. It's hard to drive, you know, on, even on the interstate in a rural environment, it's hard to drive more than about five or 10 miles without seeing some display that's borderline inappropriate, that, that's PG-13 um, for whatever. I mean, we're, we're even seeing you know, chicken shacks that have half-dressed country girls on them. And so that, that's the kind of world we live in now. So the temptation piece, when we can say to ourselves, it's going to be out there, how are we going to enter this argument then? And it, and it resides in desire. And it's the individual desire. As a man's desire starts to change and move away from the former things of the world that really had him wrapped around you know, the, the world's pinky, he begins to understand that, that desire and it's got to be Christ first. I, I want to I want to anchor there more than anything else. And I mean, I want your man to love you. I really do. But he has no chance with you without a relationship with Christ. Not lasting. He can white knuckle through some time. There's no doubt about it. There's some guys out there that are super strong. But unless Christ gets in the middle of your relationship, it's going to be really hard to have lasting recovery. There may be sobriety, but recovery, a redeemed marriage is not possible without Christ and that desire for Christ. He will then imbue your man with a desire for you that he never even imagined. As he is starting to really understand that the other stuff of this world just really is not that attractive, but it's you. And then 
when you start to share a spiritual walk together, that desire starts to really grow. And then he's going to start feeding you even more that it's going to fall out of the scriptures and into between your ears. So that's the emotional connection you start to build. And let me tell you, once you start to build that spiritual and emotional intimacy, what happens between the sheets, it can exceed any of your expectations. So if you really want to get down, eventually, you know, get back to a, an Eden-like sexuality, an Eden-like relationship emotionally, that spiritual piece, that's where we have to enter that argument and desire. Um, and that, that goes for really the pool. It goes for work. It goes for all the environment, the, the grocery store. I mean, we live in Florida. I know Chaps is up in uh, Washington State. Troy's up in North Florida. Um, just going to the grocery store can sometimes be triggering for both the man and the woman. Home Depot. Oh, yeah, Home Depot. And so those temptations are going to be out there. But what is our desire leading us to? Which direction are we taking through our desires and allowing Christ to really work on that piece of us? I think you have brought in, and this has been a great segue to talk about sex, because I have received numerous, numerous emails about sex and intimacy. And I, I think it's a topic we can't avoid. And something that is taught in Conquer series that women might not be familiar with that I think would be important for them to know is that God designed you to be a delicious, satisfying fruit, just you for your husband and only your husband, and that you are that same satisfying fruit for him. But when one or the other looks at pornography or is unfaithful, those are that's toxicity. That's not fruit. Those are artificial sugars. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's poison. And and just like a Snickers bar, just like a Milky Way, um, that's artificial sugars. There's no health benefit to you and you become addicted to it and you crave it. But what happens when you binge on junk food? All of a sudden you go eat that delicious ripe piece of fruit and it just tastes bitter so men can't appreciate their wives when they have sex when they are strung out on porn and acting out and masturbating and having affairs they can't they can't appreciate the gift that god has given him so the question i have for you men and here's one right here from lucinda it's how do i know you don't think of her while while having sex and I'm going to just, uh, Troy, ask you to step out of this conversation because, ladies, I may not have had a chance to share this with you. Troy, do you want to explain your situation here? Yeah, sure. So um, Tracy and I are not married, and um, and so we are we are reconciled and we are working towards marriage, but we are trying to do it God's way. So we're gonna I'm gonna take a pass on this question. A noble knee, I appreciate it. So, chaps, would you like to chime in on this? Sure. If I can, I'll give it a shot. So um, there's so much rumbling around inside. So when I got sober, you know, you need to detox for a period of time, 90 days. It's, it's something that you want to agree upon. And, you know, and then I use the word intimacy and and Christy, Christy knows what I mean by when I say I want, want to be intimate, you know, that's sex. Um, And then when I got sober and clean, I wanted to have sex all the time, but there was a time when we very rarely had sex and I'm talking months, you know, in between. And, um, you know, then she said, who is this man that she's talking about me? You know, who is this man that's desiring and longing for me? And, and so even during the detox period, um, you know, I wanted to be intimate, you know, and we would get close and, and she would kind of say, well, go be intimate with God. 
and I forget who talks about it, but it's like chewing on the head post. We had to replace our bed because the head, you know, I, I, I gnawing on that head post. And no, nobody's ever died of, of blue balls or no one has ever died of not having sex. It, it may feel like it, you know? So then so there were times when I would just like roll over and, it, and I didn't chew on the headboard, but it was like, oh man, I was just going through detox, you know, just like detox from, you know, cocaine or other drugs. I mean, it's intense. Um, and so there is still times, you know, when, when we're not intimate. Now, Christy has, has MS and there's some other issues that, you know, are, are, are uh, getting in the way too. And, and we're reading through the Old Testament. Anyways, so there's, there's stuff that's there and, and you, you won't die. Guys won't die, even though it feels like it, you know, not having sex. Um, and there are times when we are intimate under the sheets, you know, and, and it is better and, and have the lights on so you can glue to each other. So you can see to each other. Christy even said one time, you know, would you pray during uh, our intimate lovemaking? It was like, ooh, I don't know, you know, and, and but God is there too. He's in the middle of that. It's that's when we start combing out shame and secrets and condemnation that this is a beautiful gift. Like you talked about that strawberry or that piece of fruit, you know, juicy and flavorful and, and satisfying, you know, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's good. It's difficult. It's a journey. Um, and you can't do it alone. You need to do it together, you know, husband and wife, and then getting a counselor in there or getting someone in there, you know, an, an advocate for you. I, I guess I'll, you know, stop there. No, but. Scott, I, I, before I want to hear from you for sure, but uh, Scott, thank you for painting that picture, what it looks like in recovery, because women struggle with this all the time. Uh, yes, as they are detoxing, and they're healing and their brain is renewing and they are now excited and enticed by this fruit their bride but the bride has been hurt she's been betrayed and she doesn't want to have sex or she needs space to heal or it's a matter of you know some women think well should i keep having sex with him just because he's in recovery and he's sober and if i don't does that is that justify him acting out and so christy having the courage to say no get intimate with god you know, there'll be a time and space for us to be intimate out of the flow of our connection, but it's not just going to be after every lustful thought you have of me. And to have that communication is very important in recovery because women struggle with this. We don't want to be vaginal masturbation where it's just sex and you're acting out. Yet at the same time, we don't want to feel like we are responsible for pushing you away um, and, and justifying relapse. So it's it, so Christine. tough for women. Yeah, what my culture said, yeah, you can masturbate in your wife's vagina. And it's like, whoa, you know, did he just say that? Did my yes. culture just say that? And he did. And it's true. You know, so the intimacy needs to be there in the communication. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is so real. Yeah, this is so real. Because women want to know that you're thinking of us, not mm -hmm. the images, not the affair partner. And yeah. we can't compete with those. That's that's another one of our questions. We can't compete with that. So yeah. what are your thoughts about this, honey? This, this is an incredibly sensitive topic, but mm -hmm. I think it's also, a, it's a necessity. Uh, as I just kind of scan some of the chats that are going through, I, I see how much consternation there is here. And I want you to know, ladies, that it's it's normal. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely normal in, in, the, in the wake of sexual sin, sexual stronghold, in the wake of sexual misconduct, sex addiction, how, however you want to frame the argument, there is going to be a high level of sexual brokenness. 
and, I, and I'm, a, again, a firm believer in, it does not become rectified until Christ gets in the center of it. You go back to the garden. He gave Adam his wife, Eve. And, it, and then he said, subdue and cultivate. And, that, and, and go forth and multiply. I mean, yes and amen. This is before the fall. And so this is where we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to be doing, is being intimate with each other. But intimacy does not reside specifically in the bed. It's not all about sex. It's a, it's a very small piece of it. To me, I believe it, it's out of the overflow of spiritual and emotional. Mm-hmm. If you want to build spiritual intimacy, uh, men, and, and men, I, I hope you come back and you watch this on, on some of the reruns. But men, if you want to build that spiritual intimacy, grab a daily devotional. Do it every day with your wife. There's a great one by a guy named Mike Ganung. It's called 100 Days on the Road to Grace. Right. Do 100 of those in a, in a row each day. Just take the time and then really dig in. Don't then just do it read again. it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just read it to her and say, like, all right, high five. We're done. I read. Now talk about it. Bury yourself, guys. Forget about the ball game. At least, at least take halftime and go bury yourself to your wife. Okay. Change the way you've been doing business. Pour into her in a spiritual manner. Watch what happens emotionally. You don't do it just for the end result. You do it because you love her. And it's out of response to what Christ did for us on the cross. Until we can land there, there's really not much else that that these kind of of notions are going to wind up being there. There's not much else we can do about them until we surrender this over to Christ. And he's going to help guide this. He gave us a great playbook in Song of Solomon. Fantastic. Tells us exactly how to, to find her, to court her, to date her, to marry her, what to do on wedding night. You know, and then how to even fight as you start to take a look at it really closely. When you feel rejected, he puts like myrrh and frankincense on the doorknob and she reaches out and then she has compassion for him. Yes. Sorry. But I, Sandra said something really powerful too. And, and um, you know, sex and intimacy, they're not the same. So when I said I wanted to be intimate with Christy, she knew that it was sex. And then she told me to go be intimate with God. And you know what I thought about? I can't have sex with God. Can I? but I can be intimate with God, you know? And so that was, uh, that was a crusher too, is that, you know, I was equating the same, the same thing, intimacy and sex, but intimacy, I think is deeper and sex is a, is a, a, a way to um, meet that physically, emotionally, spiritually all together. But intimacy is, is something different. And she said, you know, starving for that, that was, you know, I was starving for it too. And I was re- using the Snickers bar sex, or, or fantasy, lust, pornography, to replace what God has, has blessed me with. And it is a gift. I forget who said that, but a lot of good things coming in through the chat. Wow, wow. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. I'm going to jump in anyway. Um, <laughs> Do it, Troy. Yeah, just because I, I've been watching the chat during this one, too, and see the, the starving for intimacy. And I'm just going to put a plug in for the Stronger Together program because uh, Tracy and I have been doing that and uh, the intimacy that we've had has, and that has grown over the last few weeks has been incredible. Um, and it, that, that Stronger Together program has, has just opened up so many things for us um, in terms of our emotional intimacy, our spiritual intimacy. Um, it's been fantastic for us and it really has caused us to look inward at the things that that we have um, been really lacking in 
and um, uh, it's been awesome. So I would highly recommend uh, you ladies uh, taking a look at that and suggesting it to your partners, you know, your husbands. Uh, it's been awesome for us. Yeah, the picture of recovery, everyone, uh, ladies, it's very important to, to realize that recovery is your husband getting help for himself, you getting help for yourself, and then there's the relationship that needs help too that's been fractured. It's three parts. And so he could be doing everything right for recovery, and you could be going to counseling and doing everything right, but you could still have a sexless, loveless, no intimacy relationship. And that's not what God designed. And so a lot of people, they keep addressing the sex addiction, the sex addiction, the sex addiction, but what it actually is, it's an intimacy issue. It's intimacy anorexia. And, and one or either the partners are pushing each other away. And, and there's reason there, there's, there's trauma there, there's hurt there, there's pain there. So to address those things, to learn how to communicate, to walk through them, that's what the whole Stronger Together course is all about. How can we have that marriage that God designed? So if you're stuck and you're like, my husband's getting recovery, but I still don't feel the intimacy, the spark. I don't have the new relationship that should come from this. Take it to the next level. Do that stronger together. So thank you, Troy. That's a, that was that was good. Yeah, I'm seeing some of the chat here. I just want to go ahead and, and we're going to shamelessly plug. I mean, you, you've come to a Soul Refiner um, you know, webinar. So on the Soul Refiner website, one of the classes is called Stronger Together. It's a it is a bare bones, hold on tight as you can, five week intensive really uh, that that was filmed with Dr. Doug Weiss. Uh, he runs Heart to Heart Counseling. He's the founder out there in Colorado, but he's also partnered a lot with the team here at Kingdom Works and Soul Refiner, uh, not only with Conquer Series, but he's also kind of the centerpiece speaker in Warpath and in Stronger Together. And so. I cannot recommend it more highly. This is our second time uh, leading it. Um, and it's just been incredible for me and my wife. It gives us a whole new way to look at our relationship and really to say, listen, that other person may be making me feel a certain way right now, but why am I feeling that way? Um, a, a former um, you know, guru that I knew used to say that, listen, it's not their fault. They're just showing the fault in me. Mm. It, is, it is not whatever's happening here, the feels that I'm getting, that's not because of them. It's because they're inspiring something in me that I don't have my fingers on. I don't understand this. I have not surrendered this to Christ yet. And that's for both partners. He's not my problem. He's just showing it where it is and, and myself and vice versa. A lot of times we think it's all them. But when we start and we step back, we realize, oh, goodness, there's something God is working yeah. on in me. And that yeah. takes a posture of humility from both partners. An open wound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do want to clarify something. Ladies. I understand it may not be a safe environment, it may not be safe for sex, it may not even be safe for emotional intimacy, um, spiritual intimacy. I think you can build that, you know, through through church, through groups. There's lots of different ways to get the spiritual intimacy that you're seeking. Okay, please make sure that you are ensuring safety. This is not meant any. None of this is meant to say that you need to keep going back and, and be a doormat. I want to be perfectly clear on that. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely sensitive. To, to, to men that may be in alleged recovery that are using some of this as a battering ram to make sure that their, their hurt spouse changes to fit their notion of what this perfect mate should be. Okay, so please ensure some safety there. If you don't know what that looks like, if you don't understand what that means, get with one of the ladies on the chat here, exchange some of this information, write into my wife, Christina. Let's talk about that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if, if your partner is still acting out and if they are still with their affair partner, if they are still continuing to relapse with looking at porn and masturbating, that's a very different story to be having. I mean, that is a very different story to be having than us opening up the door to be talking about having sex together. If they're not safe, they're not safe. And again, like Lamar said, it, every case is very individualized, uh, but by all means, reach out to someone because I think that is very important. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I, can I throw something else in there? So I love the movie War Room. Yes. You know, where, where she's a prayer warrior. She's going in the closet, you know, and casting out in the home and then, you know, cast the devil outside and then opens the door and he says, she says another thing, you know, wants to get, getting it all out, you know, on, on the devil. And then eventually the husband loses his job. He loses almost everything in the same day. So it's like taking um, your husband off of your hook and putting him on, on God's hook, which is much bigger, you know, and God's gonna, um, God can waken him you know, and it might be losing a job, losing a career. Oh my gosh, you know, this is really sad, but maybe even losing a, um, his life or, or part of it, you know, because of, you know, an STD or something. So yeah, let God take care of him and, and wake him up. He's, he's got a bigger two by four than you do. Amen to that. Amen. Pray and then duck. Just get yes. out of the way. <laughs> That's what we used to say all the time when I was in recovery, pray and then duck because God will hear your prayers. Yeah. You can let go. You can let go. Like, I, I love that. His two by four is much, much bigger. So yeah. thank you for that. That is beautiful. Well, the next question team that we have here um, is what can we as wives do that would be the most helpful to assist husbands to walk closer to God and flee temptation in every area of his life? whether it's on the screen or in real life. So our sweet sister Jane is asking about this and I just wanna know what your thoughts are. I think this is a, just a beautiful question. Thank you, Jane. Mm -hmm. I'll jump in here. Um, one of the things that Tracy did really early for me was to tell me some of her triggers. Um, I still, actually I still have the list that she gave me um, a few years ago. And some of the things, honestly, were uh, some of them were not, were common sense, but some of them were things that I just really had no idea. I never even suspected that it would be a trigger, and so it was very helpful um, for me to know what some of her triggers were, for her to be vulnerable uh, to tell me what those were. Um, uh, another thing um, that we do that's super helpful is pretty often we do check-ins with each other and um, just uh, it, it creates a really safe space for us to be uh, really vulnerable and we talk about things that we're struggling with we talk about how we're feeling um, and it has allowed me to be totally transparent and honest with her um, i know uh, in the past um, she didn't want to necessarily deal with conflict, um, but it's a way for her to deal with conflict and a way for me to know that she's going to address issues uh, where in the past she didn't necessarily want to. Um, and so those, those you know, frequent check-ins have been awesome. Um, and so that's another thing I would suggest uh, spouses can do. Um, 
and and then another another thing I was thinking about is just uh, voicing uh, voicing your expectations in terms of what you're expecting the recovery process to look like, um, so that we have some idea of what you are expecting from us. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we don't know, we don't know. I love that, Troy, and I see the posture too often with women, sadly, that just say this is his problem, his issue, he's got to figure it out. And that that's not what I see with Christy, that's not what I see with Tracy, and, and that's not what I see with other couples that have made it through this. It is a posture of, no, we're in this together. You are hurt, so it hurts the us, so I'm in pain now too. That's the picture of what this looks like. And vice versa, when I'm struggling with my triggers, I am hurt. So it hurts him. That is the picture. And Troy, I just want to circle back around to that providing um, or asking Tracy for those triggers. Uh, Once you get those, I mean, ladies, if you haven't list out the cost, the things that are trigger you, the things that this has cost you, the pain, this is such a beautiful, beautiful thing you can do with your partner. And you're going to need to walk him through this because unless you share this video with him. And it's a matter of this is a place where he can now put up safeguards for you to help you feel safe and gift you with the boundaries so you don't have to feel like his mother. So we say that all the time. There's nothing sexy about having a child in recovery. Uh, it's He's not my son. He's my husband. And I don't want to go have sex with someone that I'm babysitting all day long. So and initially, I mean, that's a totally different story initially. Safeguards, yes, are important. I always checked my phone devices. That's that's I. I'm, going off topic here, but um, it's, do you want to jump in and just, uh, another thing that you can do with those that you did with me um, is you grieved it with me. Right. What she's talking about here, ladies, is is developing a list as you go through this and do this together, okay, and try not to use it as a battering ram. Um, Either way, any of these tools, if we can't use kindness, goodness, dignity, respect, goodwill, humility through these it's very easy to start using some of this stuff as a way to kind of beat each other about the head and shoulders. And I'm talking about both directions. You know, we see sometimes that unfaithful, former unfaithful sprint out ahead in their recovery and their spouse is still just broken, don't know what to do, don't know how to get through it. And they wind up using some recovery techniques as a way to beat them into submission and to say like, no, 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 you need to, you have to forgive me. If, we, if you're ever doing that, that's just dead wrong. So these tools are very important to make sure that we frame them the right way but these costs these lists of costs these lists of triggers these are gifts for a man that's in true recovery because the man can then take those and then carve out boundaries in his life to give away as a gift not not as some kind of accountability that you're demanding from him that he freely offers of himself over to you And you're not going to see there, you're not going to sit there all the time for the next 25 years looking through phones and looking through records of internet sites. If you do, there's something wrong there because it it still means that 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 Christ has not been able to get in there and heal what he so desperately wants to. He would not have exposed us if he didn't love us. And it's absolutely because he wants to heal us. And so if you're struggling there, if you find yourself staying there, it's not always going to be this way. There, there is a way forward, there is a way out, but it takes some, some pretty difficult work in recounting those costs, writing down those triggers, and then coming up with, with methods to, to go through that, not around it, not over it, not under it, but through all that stuff to get to the other side. And, and men are an integral piece of this. And any man that says, oh, now that's your problem, I'm fixed over here, 
please have him give me a call. I'd love to talk with him about it. And I won't shame him. I'll just let him know he's just sadly misguided. And then we can talk about how to do it the right way. And so, um, ladies, as you come through this and you start to think about it, there's, there's kind of a little lens I love to talk about. It used to be just two filters. Now it's actually three. Okay. The first lens is, does this glorify God and not me? And this is for any of us. Okay. Is what I'm about to do or is what I'm about to say, is it glorify God and not me? The second lens is, does it honor my spouse or my mate in accordance with scripture? And now I love to add the third one on, and does it scare me to death to do this? Does, I mean, it, it, does it just frighten me to death to think that, man, I'm about to become so vulnerable. And so this is, we, we talk about that with guys all the time. What do you have to lose? She should have left you 10 years ago. You're underneath the roof. Okay, eat a couple nights on the couch, get back in there and love your wife. You know, now obviously I'm talking about different situations, but um, let me just encourage you in that. Uh, it may seem bleak at times, but when you do it together, it can change everything and you allow God to get in the middle of it. Yeah, there is a question that popped up that I just absolutely loved. And gentlemen, I think you'll be great at answering this. It's when, when is it going to be over? I mean, when are we going to stop talking about it? This consumes every conversation we have, my addiction, my sin, the, the, the infidelity. So when, how do we get past that? So you're saying, is it ever over? Yeah. But I, I, I hope not. I know. Exactly. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it's never over because the battle is raging. The adversary is out there wanting to steal, kill and destroy. If he's not attacking us, he's going to be attacking your children, your grandchildren, and it's going to go on and on and on. So marriage is supposed to be the shelter from the storm, not the source of the storm. So I know that um, I saw Gottman somewhere and it talked about the four horsemen, you know, of contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. If those are the things that you're interacting with in your marriage, then it's a storm. The, the marriage is the source of the storm rather than a shelter from the storm. So how, how do you do that? You know, guys, I think we're supposed to provide, protect, and, and pursue our wives and, wives. and if we're not, you know, how do we get closer? There was one in there, you know, Troy and uh, Tracy's check-in was, you know, how are you feeling today? You know, what are you struggling with? Tell me something positive. Hey, these are daily things. And then the dailies, I don't know if it comes from Warpath or it comes from um, uh, Stronger Together, but it's a feeling. And I used to think it was two feelings you talked about, but it's one feeling. And then when have I felt that before? You're going deeper into the past and, and those it's gonna lead you to maybe a trigger or an unhealed wound that you have in the past. And then you bring it forward, you know, and then you appreciate gratitude changes the brain, you know, and then you pray together. Oh my gosh, what a perfect place to be. And this is gonna set you up for success. And if you don't do this daily, you know, I don't, when is it over? Um, I guess when we get to see him face to face and, and I long to hear this word, well done, good and faithful servant, you know? Um, and then I don't know who said it, but it's the question that God's gonna ask. Oh, I think it was Ted. I don't know if God's really gonna ask you this, but is your wife more beautiful than the day I gave her to you? You know, and then are your children following me? It's like, whoa, you know? It's not over. It's never going to be over. Get off the bench, men, you know, and, and women, you know, um, guys, you're supposed to be leading anyways. And if they're not, sorry, I just settled down, Scott. And um, 
But God looked down and saw man. He said, oh, that pity the fool. You know, he needs somebody. And so he gave us our brides that are more valuable than rubies. That's where we want to be in the fight. And I think the uh, Soul Refiner has, has some great tools that are going to get you there. Anyways. Yeah. End of I love that, Scott. That is the picture that you gave, those exercises, those daily check-ins. That's healthy communication and recovery. That's something we enjoy. I love doing those check-ins with Lamar. Tracy and Troy love doing those daily check-ins. They build intimacy. They build connection. That's what recovery should look like. But if you're sitting across the table and you're still hashing out the past, and it's still because you haven't come off the truth, and it's still because you haven't acknowledged my pain, and that's the place, and you're stuck. I can tell you that we had to take a season where we tabled the issues, where we just said, I, we've drained our emotional bank account. We're tapped out. I don't like you. You don't like me. We have nothing to withdraw from. And so we just spent a season, what was it, like five months, where we tabled the issues and we just courted each other. We had fun. We laughed together. We turned off the computers. We rode bikes. We played games. We invested in the emotional bank account, knowing the issues would still be there. They're not going anywhere. And I felt safe that he wasn't going back there. He was past that. But we just couldn't make peace with the past. And we tabled it for a season. And then we came back. We both were filled. We both had something you know, to, to withdraw from coming to the table, talking about these issues now. And a lot of them weren't that big of issues once we did this. Once we found that we actually loved each other, we're like, well, that's something that's, I guess, not as big of a deal. Um, now, this is one we can talk about. And it was just we had a different perspective because we now loved each other and we had something to fight for. Yeah, 70% yeah, of our issues don't need to be solved. They just okay. need to be heard. Amen. Right, you know? And, and the, then that's the big ones that, that you know, you, you resolve, but you work at. Um, yeah. yeah. 70% you can't solve. 70% of marital issues you cannot solve. And so it's a place of learning how to agree to disagree. There's a, there's a great question um, that just popped in. Um, you know, how do we get some of the men to the point? where there's not just the overwhelming sense of defensiveness beyond anything that is strictly surface, you know, superficial stuff that we're talking about. And that, that's, that's incredibly difficult. And I, and I think that is an adult conversation. It's, it's a removal of the emotion behind it all and just a, and being able to, to, to look at the other person and say, I don't want this to turn into a big affair here. I mean, forgive the, sorry about the, the, the poor choice of words there. I don't want this to turn into a big fight, but I think that we just need to talk about our inability to communicate without becoming defensive with each other. Yeah, maybe it's getting those little pictures of feelings, you know, and because you don't know the feelings. I, I can't remember the chalkboard guy in Conqueror series, but I love him. And if I loved him, I should know his name, but he's, he's the smart guy that talks really fast. Um, talks about Delta Foss B, B in the brain. It's a protein molecule that you know, addiction, it's, it's selfishness, it's, it's seeking um, the direction I want to go. And then he talks about which way is your sword pointing. So if I'm aggressive and pointing my sword towards, you know, Christy, you know, I'm not defending her. I'm not providing, I'm not protecting, I'm not pursuing her. I'm pursuing my own selfish needs. And that's when that, that protein builds up on our brains. We lose the ability to have compassion for one another. We're, we're not able to connect. Oh, she wouldn't like me that she's a special ed teacher, but it, it kind of makes our brain retarded. Okay. It, 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 uh, 
a brain is damaged, you know, and it has to heal and it takes a while for that. And so it, it builds. And so you're asking to go deeper and, and I can't, you know, so maybe I got to start with the, the beginnings crawl before I, I can walk, you know, walk before I can run before I can feel. And it's just identifying those feelings. What are they? And then I can help my bride, you know, by listening to her feelings too. And we learn and that compassion will come back. You know, and then I saw severe childhood abuse. Yeah, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Those are the wounds that need to be addressed. And, and I think we all have them. Um, well, one more thing, sorry. But then there's the best things in life too. So what you said is you tabled it. And then when we table those things and then we look at the good things. So, you know, I, even though I had all that trauma in my life, my grandmother was my source of hope. You know, she provided the love in that rocking chair. You know, she had that big bosoms and I just kind of snuggled in, inside those, you know, and it was safe. Um, and when we have that safety, we have that refuge and that has to be God, not my grandmother, but, but when we have God to, you know, rest in, he's going to provide, provide for us. I have no idea where I just went. Um, oh, it's wonderful, Scott. We're, okay. I want to circle back around. No, thank you. thank you. No, you have such incredible wisdom. We just love, love, love when you speak and share. And it is, it's at the overflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing through you. So thank you. And, and Troy, what are your thoughts on that whole defensiveness? Because um, that, that is a sensitive topic for women when we um, come across a man that's being defensive. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Honestly, it's a tough one because uh, I think it's, uh, frankly, it's just a huge sign that he's he's not there. Um, and I, I think you, you've got to just have a real adult conversation about it. Um, I, I don't know what more to say than that. I think it's incredibly difficult for some men, and I count myself as leader of the line. I feel like the elementary school kid that's got his hand up saying, everybody follow me. You know, because I'm, I'm the number one center in this regard in terms of defensiveness. And, and I, I love relating it back to scripture. And in James, it says, how come y'all quarrel? And then there's a whole bunch of, of, of text there that basically says, it's because you didn't get what you wanted. And so when we become defensive, it's because things didn't go the way we expected them to go. As I look at my heart, I realize that Man, I got defensive because she couldn't realize about how wonderful I am now that I've come through recovery and look at all the glorious things I'm doing to, you know, to pursue her and how and how great we I've made this life. And there's still a whole bunch of, of, of consequences back there from that old stuff. My vertical right standing has nothing to do with the horizontal hell that I created. And that defensiveness that I get is because I feel that, OK, Lord, you have given me all that grace and you I, you ran over me with that grace train and I can't help but jump on it now and try and, you know, blow the, the, the big air horn so everybody can hear you. But how come I'm still having to deal with all this fallout? That's why I get defensive. And I got to look at it and think to myself, no, no, I created that. I did that. She's not my problem. I was just thinking about first Corinthians 13. And one of, one of the definitions of love is that it doesn't insist on its own way. Mm. And you know, if a guy's being defensive, he's really insisting on his own way. Yeah, and that that starts it starts early in the marriage. Um, it, it's when you're defending the sin, the the man doesn't want the or relationship. The man doesn't want the woman to know, so they become defensive. If you're tapping into or getting too close to the secrets that they're keeping, they become very defensive. So then, when they get into recovery, 
And as wives, when we see that defensive posture, our brain automatically goes, they must be acting out. They're criticizing me. That's what they used to do when he was acting out in sin. So he must be acting out again. And that is, that's, it's, it's, it's a wound and it's a wound and it might not be. I mean, he takes defensive posture. It doesn't mean that he has just looked at porn or, or had an affair, uh, but he's got to acknowledge that that triggers something in me. And that's where my brain goes. My brain is automatically going to go to the worst case scenario because of my trauma brain. And so for him to learn to be able to, the opposite in my mind of what defensiveness is, humility. Learning how to be humble and just say, I, I'm sorry because I put you in this place. My past sin has put you in that past or in this, this triggering state. And to, to assume that posture of brokenness and humility for me, that's the anecdote. That's the anecdote. Well, ladies, I mean, we're getting a little bit short on time here. I've seen a couple of kind of tactical questions that I want to address real quickly. Um, we do put these recordings onto the uh, Facebook site for Soul Refiner. Uh, they are all there, all the archives. I believe we started the ladies group back in January or February. Men's group's been going, I think, since October. So there are several um, archive reruns, if you will, that you can go and get the videos on. This one will be placed on there, hopefully by the end of business today. Um, the men's that we're going to do at 1 p.m. Eastern, that'll be on there as well. We just, we're so blessed to have a chance to do this. We're so blessed that people can, can get something from this. Uh, too many Christians, I believe, go through their whole lives wondering, where is it that God would have me? You know, where is it that, that, that the Lord would have me you know, in ministry? I'm not talking about the sacred. I'm not talking about a, you know, a, a clergy, a pastor, or anything. I'm talking about where is your ministry? And for us, it just becomes, it becomes readily apparent. And for some of us, you'll be doing it by yourself. I don't want to blow sunshine up anybody's tail and say that everybody makes it through this because it takes two people willing to submit to Christ. If you're going to come through the other side of this and be able to talk with other people about it and help them through their yuck. But it is a possibility. And even if you go it solo, what do you have to lose? I love that. And, and gentlemen, I want to give you each a chance to share with the ladies, um, because one of the questions I received from Pam was, what does recovery look like in a relationship? So apparently she, she just wants a glimpse of what it looks like. And like I started at the beginning of this, so we're circling all the way around. Um, I chose you guys for a reason, and it's because the picture of your recovery is beautiful. So could you just give us a glimpse as to what it looks like with your relationship with Christy, um, with Tracy, and then I'll have you close out. So you want me to say something about my relationship with Christy yeah, right now? Yeah, what, yes, so what is your more, relationship? It was more up to it, but now, you know, it's like, um, you know, I used to tease her that my, my PTSD and stuff, you know, she would be changing my diapers and, you know, now with her MS, you know, it's me changing her diapers. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it's that we can finish the race together. You know, that we're not alone. Uh, it's not independent. You know, it's that, I think that's that relationship that God said when he, he saw a man fiddling around in the garden all by himself and said, oh man, this poor fellow is not going to make it. You know, Christy's there. And there's, there's more times now that I can let her in, you know, than, 
and keep it, keep her out. And it's a good thing that I have a bride. So I don't know. Thank you, Scott. How about you, Troy? Um, recovery for us has been awesome. Um, I mean, she's been my best friend for many, many years. Um, but we are in a place that, that I never uh, expected or even imagined. Um, we, uh, and God has really blessed us. Um, it's, it's so obvious to us that, that this is meant to be and that we are, uh, that God has called us to help other people um, because he just continues to put broken people in front of us. Um, and it's been incredible for us. Um, it's allowed both of us to be super vulnerable. She knows everything about me and my past. And, and honestly, that was one of the things that I was most scared of is I didn't want to tell her about my past. I thought she wouldn't love me if she knew the real me. And now I know that she loves me more because I, I'm able to be the real me. Um, and, um, and it's just been unbelievable, honestly. Uh, over the last few months, we have grown closer than we ever were before. And uh, I'm just super excited to, um, to see where things go in the next few months, actually. So. We are too. We're on hot standby to watch. We love it. We love watching you two grow stronger together through the Stronger Together. It's amazing. Thank you. How about you, Ben? You know, I, to, to, to echo what we said earlier here, um, for us, it has become just such a, a, a clear neon sign about what God's direction is in our lives. Um, we were leading groups while I was still in the corporate sector. Um, God made it abundantly clear, you know, a few times, this, this is not where I would have you. Um, he even exposed all of the sexual sin in my past. Um, and so leading into this new life that we have, where we get a chance to work with other couples. I get a chance to work with a lot of men um, in, in sexual sin, sexual stronghold. Christina gets to work with broken women. Um, it has been the most enriching possible uh, thing for our marriage. It's just given us such a clear signal to head this way. Um, and so, but more than that, it has just become such a, a point of strength for us um, to say that Look, I don't want to argue the finer points of the rapture. I don't, I don't care about, you know, at what point Jesus died, where were his feet placed on the cross? Were they to the side? Were they to the front? You know, how high was he up on the cross? I don't, we don't need to argue about that. All we can say is, here's what he did for us. 